And if you guys will just go sit down, because we're going to do something a little different this morning. Um, you're not going to like this either, so I'll just go on and, and warn you for that. It's freezing in here. We have called the central office and asked for heat. Um, so I think today's one of those days that, like, if it could go wrong, it is. Uh, yesterday, uh, Thursday, Adam's son was taken to the hospital and uh, had just flu-like symptoms and very quickly became very tragically ill. And so now uh, he is in CMC on life support. And so Adam is with his son and we are going to pray for his son and pray for them. Um, Doctors last night gave him about a 50-50 chance of survival. He is 28 years old. His name is Aram. So here's where we're going to do the part that you're not going to like. Um, if you're on the ends, you're really lucky. If you're on the extremities, if you would just sort of move to the middle, um, and please do this. We're actually going to touch each other. We're going to hold hands and um, or hold elbows or whatever you want to do if you don't want to get germs. Um, just sort of touch somebody near you, and, and we're going to pray because I believe y'all don't have to cross aisles or anything. You're okay to stay seated if you want to. Oh, well, you are crossing the aisles. Okay, I'm wrong too. This will be a heck of a Sunday, you know? So if you're first time worshiping with us, it's not normally like this. So uh, if you'll just connect yourself with someone, because we believe in the power of prayer. All right, let us pray. Gracious God, uh, you are a giver of life and you are the ultimate healer. And so this morning, uh, in the quietness of these moments, as the people who come together as your people touch one another, I just ask that you use the energy and the power in this room and that you, in the power of your Holy Spirit, in the presence of your Holy Spirit, pour out your healing presence and your peace on Aram. We ask that you bring miraculous healing to your body. We do boldly. Boldly pray and ask for a miracle this morning. And then uh, we also recognize that healing comes in a lot of ways. And so, God, uh, as Adam and Asia and Autumn and Ashton and Christy and the whole family go through the next several days, I just ask that you hold them in your strength and in your peace and let them know that you're God and you're big and you're God of love. We offer our prayers to you. Amen. You may be seated. Let me ask you a question, Chris. Would you be surprised if I told you that the Navy has credited you with over 160 kills? So this morning, we are finishing up a message series that we've been doing in January called Faith in Film. We've looked at Sully, and we've looked at Zootopia, and last week we looked at the movie Fences and parts and lessons that we can learn from that. And so today, we're going to talk about American Sniper. I will warn you, there are there's one scene that has a little bit of blood. We're not showing many clips from the movie today because it is so graphic. Um, 
And, you know, this is a little controversial because there are people that don't believe in war at all and are pacifist. And so this would be like, why are we talking about this in church? And then there's a, another side to that. And this was a true story about Chris Kyle, who uh, was killed tragically at the hands of another man who suffered from some mental illness uh, after he retired from the military, left the military. And so this morning, we are going to be looking at the perspective of Chris, of a soldier. Uh, I would like for you to share with me by clapping if you or you know someone, uh, your family, or a friend, or you yourself have served in the military. Will you clap, please? Uh, that's a lot of us. So, frankly, this message is a little easier to preach than I suspected, I hope. Uh, you know, when you are talking about war and fighting and soldiers to a group of pacifists, then, you know, the they believe that war should never happen. And so it is, it is wrong to serve in the, or some very extreme pacifist believe that serving in the military is wrong at all costs. And it sounds like you are not possessing that opinion this morning. If you are, I would just ask that for the next 15 or 20 minutes, you look at this a little differently. We, what prompted this message series is that over the course of the last three or four years, we've had some people that were a part of the West community or extended West community that have asked me, how do we justify killing someone and uh, reconcile that with God? And forgiveness, because you know, one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not kill. So, what do we do with that? And so, uh, this morning, we're going to look at that and talk about what do we do with the fact that there is war in our world. There's war going on right now in multiple parts of our world. And where is God in all that? So, I wanted to start with a passage from Genesis this morning. It is about the call of Abraham. And it's Genesis chapter 12, so listen to a few verses from that. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and go from your father's house. And I want you to go to the land that I'm going to show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. So all in all, all of your families on the earth shall be blessed. So there's this guy named Abram who ultimately gets named Abraham from God because he hears God's call and he decides to follow God's call. And God comes to Abram, he, he speaks to Abram, Abram hears, I'm going to call him Abraham for the rest of the message. Abraham hears him speak and he hears God tell him, I want you to go inhabit this land. Now, if 
you are new to West and don't know me and don't know my background, I grew up Southern Baptist. And so we were taught a very literal, literal, literal interpretation of scripture. So when I first learned of this story, and, and this is actually the initial story of many of our world religions, three world religions trace their roots back to this story of Abraham. And so, four, actually. So Abraham is, is here and God appears to him or speaks to him and says, you know, I want you to go take this land. Now, when I was taught this story growing up, nobody ever mentioned who was on already inhabiting the land. So I had this understanding that, or naivety, that there were two people, you know, Adam and Eve, and then they had two babies. And somehow from those two babies, the rest of the human population, you know, inhabited the earth. And somewhere in all that genealogy, you know, not too long after Adam and Eve, there came this man named Abraham and and his wife and they had some children. And then those children went and inhabited all the earth because God gave it to them. You know, God came to him and said, here, you know, I want you to go and, and inhabit this earth. They didn't have children at this point. So this was a huge leap of faith. That's the tenant and principle of the story that God spoke to them. They heard God's call and they, they left Abraham and Sarah and went to this land in my mind that was uninhabited. But in reality, if you go on and read throughout Genesis, you will find that there were people there. You know, he says, I'm going to bless those who bless you and the people that curse you, I'm, I'm going to curse them. And that gives us a very different idea of God than what we as United Methodists believe. We believe God is a God of love, God is a God of grace, a God of forgiveness. And frankly, this story, if, if you look at it from that angle, it, it doesn't reconcile. So here's God, and, and he picks Abraham out of, you know, of this group of people, lots of people, and what made him choose Abraham. And so then he tells Abraham, hey, I want you to go take out all these people. Go kill these people so that you get this land. How does that reconcile with God? Thus, the beginning of battles and you know, ultimately war. In today's world, people are still fighting over this land, this holy land. When I went to Israel several years ago with the clergy group from our conference, you know, it's called the holy land. And again, I, I told you, you know, I've made it through seminary and all that kind of stuff, but Sometimes my naive understanding of scripture and the way that I was taught when I was a child gets in the way. So we were, you know, going to the Holy Land, the Holy Land, the Holy Land. And I guess I just kept expecting that there was this one finite, you know, block of land or plot of land that we were going to get to. And aha, that was the Holy Land. And I'll never forget, we were standing on the top of a hillside and we were looking out over the city of Jerusalem and you could see the, the temple remnants. And I looked at Bishop, good pastor, who was leading the trip. And I said, okay, this is like day five or six in the trip. Um, where is the Holy Land? And he said, well, you're standing in it. He said, remember the story of Abraham? I'm like, oh. He said, this, Jerusalem, the city, it's Holy Land. That's where they came. 
And there were people already there. And God told Abraham that's where he should live. I can't reconcile that, you know? I mean, it's one of the main stories that causes a foundation for our faith. I would argue that there are much bigger lessons to learn from that, the faith that Abraham and Sarah showed by following God's call. Back then, it was normal to go and battle other groups of people to take over land. It started thousands and thousands of years ago, and it still goes on today. So, we live in a world where there is good and there is evil. We believe, as United Methodists, that we have this thing called free will and we get to make choices. And just like we get to make choices and we come here this morning and the briskness of this room and we have the opportunity to pray together, everybody else has a choice too. And not everybody uses their choices for good. So sadly, in our world, there is a need for armed forces. There is a need for, this is my opinion, there is a need for military. I want to show you this first scene from American Sniper. And this is probably, if you watch the movie, and it's rated R, if you watch the movie, this is on about midway through the movie. He's been in several tours, and this is one of the, the combat scenes. And as you watch it, I want you to think about how you would feel if you were in his position, if you had felt this nudge and this urge to follow God and to serve God, what would you do in this situation? How would you feel? So take a look at this scene. Imagine if you are a sniper and, you know, their, their action was to clear the city 
And they were being supported by the government of the city, but there were insurgents or rebels that were, you know, trying to kill them. The opening scene of the movie starts with uh, a mom and her son walking out on the street, and he notices that she, you know, is not swinging her arms when she walks. And so he sees her start to reach inside of her robe, and he, he knows that she's getting ready to grab, or he, his gut knows that she's getting ready to grab a, a weapon. And sure enough, she does. And so he has to shoot her in order to keep the troops that are coming in the street, down the street. She was headed towards them in order to keep them safe. And then her son, or a little boy, we infer it was her son, is standing right there beside her. And so when he shoots her and she falls down, the little boy picks it up and he walks toward the tank of Americans. And so he has to shoot him too. That's how the movie opens. And then later on in the movie, we see this scene. And like I said, this is in the middle of all of his tours. And, and you know, he's, he's hoping that this little boy is not going to pick up that gun. He does not want to shoot him. But he knows that, I mean, his responsibility, his job in this moment is to protect the Americans. And so he has to do what he has to do to protect them. I think in our country, I guess you could say this is a sort of social activist message. In our country, we have so many people that are serving in our armed forces. And I just think sometimes they get a bad rap because we don't want to be at war. And, and you know, we want everything to be like Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are children of God. And we're going to talk about that at the end. But frankly, war is real. Chris Kyle was prompted to go to war because of 9-11. That's why he went into service. He had been feeling this nudge. And, and he was dedicated to his country, but also a man of faith. He did what he needed to do. I think one of the things, one of the callings that we have as a people of God is to love our troops. We have people that are part of the West community that serve the armed forces and are on active duty right now. We, we pray for them. We support them. Because can you imagine being in that situation? And can you imagine facing a decision like that of what to do? I want to show you another clip. This is after Chris comes back home, and this helps us see yet another perspective of those who serve. Take a look. You want another one? Or you good? Look, what is this? No, well, you get what it gives you. That's how this thing works. You don't get that one. That's what you want. Like that. That's good. That's strong. Chris Kyle, come on, your truck's ready. You can move that other one. Your truck's ready. Imp impossible. You can come. Okay, interesting. You I already gave it to you, right? Oh, what? Hey, just pick that up off the floor. Off the floor. See this one? Make sure you get all of them up. Oh, you got one back here. Oh. Excuse me, sir. See? Oh. Purple? Are yeah. you Chief Chris Kyle? 
Yes, sir. My name is Mads. Um, we met in Fallujah. You saved my life. I did? Yes, sir. We were stuck in a house until you came in with First Marines. You were the one that carried me out. Oh, wow. Well, the Marines saved our ass plenty of times. Uh, how are you? You all right? You hold up? Great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful to be alive. It hasn't been... Cool. It hasn't been easy. Well, you know... A lot of guys lost more than just a leg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You lose some friends? Well, that too, but I'm talking about the guys that lived. You know, they made it back, but they're just not... They're just not back. You know, they can't seem to get right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why don't you come down to the VA sometime? The guys will love it. They all know who the legend is. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Hey, okay. buddy. <clears throat> Can I tell you something? Your dad... He's a hero. That's right. He saved my life, and he, uh, he helped me get back to my little girl. So, thank you for lending him to us. Hey. I wouldn't be here without him. <laughs> my family thanks you for your service. Okay, thank you. All right. Take care of yourself. It's great to see you again. All right. Come down to the VA sometime. Okay, yeah. Grab your other lizard up there. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a good day. You have a good day. Okay. Chris Kyle authored a book uh, before he was killed, and you can YouTube watch and watch lots of videos that he himself is in. He went on some of the late-night talk shows and... They ask him, you know, what, what was it like being there and then, and then coming back? And he said, you know, that was the hardest part because when he was there, he knew why he was there. He knew what he was supposed to do. And it wasn't about him. It wasn't about having yet another kill on his belt. It wasn't about, you know, trying to have this amazing reputation as the most lethal sniper ever. It was about protecting those that he was with. There's a camaraderie in the military that I think the church could learn a lot from. It's called getting each other's back. You know, they, they will die for each other to protect one another. And no one leaves until everybody's together. They, the whole mantra is you do your absolute best not to leave anybody behind. Do we live that as a church? Do we have that come, not just us, we, West, here, but I mean like the universal church. I mean, we, we worship this God who the founding, one of the founding stories in scripture is that this man heard this nudge from God to leave everything that he had and follow God and that God would provide for him. God would give him all that he needed. We, we don't live like that. We, we need more stuff. We, we want our security of our jobs and of our homes and of our money. We, we want that. We need that. We crave that. In scripture, these people were willing to follow God. And then they formed this, this bond under one God. 
That was one of the lessons, the most important lesson that Abram learned from God and became Abraham is that all these different gods, the God of the sun and the God of the moon that the Romans and the Greeks and the other people worship, God revealed to Abraham that there's just one. There's just one. It's me. It's Yahweh. Worship me. And so Abraham does, he embraces that, that relationship with this one God. And then he goes and he forms this, you know, nation of people, the Israelites. And they feel this oneness, this unity with God. And then, you know, they start and for a couple of thousand years they exist. And then they needed, they needed a glimpse of God. They needed to understand God, to see God, to feel God. And so Jesus came and he showed them God, the very character and the very nature of God. And 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 that's how we see God, through the eyes and through the person and character and life of Jesus. And then this band of followers that fell in love with this man called Jesus, they formed this thing called the church. And that's who we are or who we're supposed to be. But we argue and we bicker. I mean, I just am done with Facebook because, you know, we all think that that is our political platform, and, and it, it, it's okay, I guess, but we're mean to each other. We're mean. There's got to be a way to be united and respect each other and respect our differences and respect the people that are in our public office and pray for them. If you don't like them, then pray harder. <laughs> I'm serious. We get so messed up. We get messed up. We get about our agenda. We get about things wanting, we we want things to be our way. And we think if people don't do things our way, then they're wrong. Or if they don't think our way, then they're wrong. And then we we find our platforms. And and every time we find a platform, we, we just break that circle of unity a little more. Because if you get up on a platform, It's awful easy to be by yourself, be by ourselves. I hadn't really planned on having you hold hands this morning. I just wanted you to scoot in together to actually be closer to each other and feel the power and presence of community. But I'm glad we did. There's something to be said for holding on to people next to you. Because guess what? There will come a time when life is not easy. And you will be faced with difficult decisions and you will need people. And I'm a firm believer that the more the merrier. Last night when Adam was able to go back in the room after they had put Aram on this life support system, a different kind, he said, and I knew that the majority of you didn't even know by this point, just his, his small group and some folks on the worship team and leadership. He said, I can't tell you what the text mean. I'll see a name and I'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know you. And he said, I feel a little guilty because I can't respond to them all. I said, Adam, nobody expects you to respond. He said, but it's just so nice knowing I'm loved. Now, after uh, they, we prayed with Aram and came out to the waiting room, there was a point in time in the waiting room that I was in there by myself with some other folks. And uh, they were asleep or trying to sleep. 
And this one lady struck up a conversation with me. And I had noticed when Adam and the girls and Christy and I had gone in there at the beginning, um, she was sitting over there by herself, just crying. <laughs> Sorry. Alone. <laughs> and you know, the preacher part of me like wanted to go make it all better. I didn't know her at all. But I thought, how sad. Because she's alone. And she's sitting in ICU as CMC weeping in the wee hours of the morning because her loved one is just a few steps away fighting for his life. And she's alone. Folks, it is time for us to get over ourselves. Me too. And unite together and be one. Uh, we as a church are not perfect. Clearly, we have exhibited that for you this morning. We try to figure it out. I try to figure it out. I'm going to make mistakes. You're not going to always like me. That's all right. We don't always have to like each other. We love each other. I want to show you this last scene from the movie. It's a time when Chris was with a psychologist. And then you will hear what happens uh, in their conversation and dialogue together. Take a look. I got a very interesting phone call. It's from your wife. She told me about the barbecue. Yeah, that was unfortunate, yeah. Things seem like they got a little out of hand. Are you worried? Uh, no, sir. So you're not worried about what happened or what might happen? No, sir, I'm not worried about that. Let me ask you a question, Chris. How much time do you spend in country? Uh, well, four tours, so, uh... It's like, what, a thousand days? Yeah, sounds about right. Would you be surprised if I told you that the Navy has credited you with over 160 kills? Mm. Do you ever think that you might have seen things or done some things over there that you wish you hadn't? Oh, that's not me, no. What's well, not you? I was just protecting my guys. They were trying to kill our soldiers, and uh, I'm willing to meet my creator and answer for every shot that I took. The thing that uh, haunts me are all the guys that I couldn't save. I'm willing and able to be there, but I'm not. I'm here. I quit. So you wish you could have saved more guys? Yes, sir. You can walk down any hall in this hospital. We got plenty of soldiers need saving. Mm-hmm. Want to take a walk? Sure. All right. I want to show you something. I still smoke. Can't be too mad at it because it kind of saved my right hand. How so? When I got blown up. I had both of my hands on the bottom of the steering wheel, and right before the explosion went off, I took my hand off, grabbed a cigarette, stuck it in my mouth. When I went to go light it, the explosion happened, and it took the whole bottom of the steering wheel and my left hand off. And I was lucky that I had this. I mean, yeah, I still got it. And you still smoke. <laughs> yeah, I still smoke. <laughs> 
Miss. Three inches to the right. Come on, Wayne. You can do better than that. Three inches to the right. Make sure you keep both eyes open. Let that trigger surprise you. I'm not shooting bad guys, shooting paper. Hey! There you go. Bullseye, boy. Why you spend all this time with us, man? I know you got family. I heard you had a boot collection before the war. So I was thinking I saw we were about the same size. <laughs> Seriously, man. Why do you do it? Well, we take care of each other, right? Let's see if you can't hit two in a row. Come on, man, you got this. Hit! Nice. Who's a legend now? <laughs> That's a title you don't want. Trust me. We take care of each other, right? Isn't that a powerful statement? Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. If there will ever be peace in our world, it has to start with us. The psychologist said, you know, there are lots of soldiers down the hall that you can go save. Jesus taught that you leave the 99 to go find the one. I believe with all of my being that that's really sort of the whole purpose of church because we can worship God with two or three people in our, in our midst or even alone, you know, out in creation and, and enjoy the wonder of God and give thanks to God. We can do all that by ourselves. But you can't launch a food truck unless you're really wealthy, by yourself. And even then, if you could, you'd have to hire people to work it to go sit with the people that are homeless and are hungry. And each week over the last three weeks that we've run the food truck, the attendance double, uh, doubles. Last Sunday, they served 60 people. And there are homeless people in our community, and they're coming to this food truck and then many of you and people from Faith and St. Paul, they're going and they're eating lunch together. Don't you think that's offering salvation in the name of Christ? Salvation means transformation, showing people that they're loved and they're not lesser than. That's being like Jesus. Tuesday night, Leanne Rose, who is our missions pastor and uh, Drake Smith, a, a part of the West community, and I had the privilege of going to New Story, United Methodist Church. You've heard us talk about New Story if you've been around for a little while. It was our Christmas Eve love offering on Christmas Eve. It's the one time all year we actually pass a plate in front of you. We do always encourage you and welcome your giving uh, if you want to give to support the missions and ministries of West, but one time a year we, we pass a, a basket and we invite you to, to give, and we give it away. And we typically give it to New Story, which is a United Methodist church, but it's a missional church, meaning that the money that they bring in, that their folks contribute to the operations of the church are not enough, not enough to pay their bills. The reason is because 70% of the people, and they have three campuses now, 70% of the people are battling uh, extreme addictions and are homeless. Scott, Pastor Scott, my friend and colleague, asked me if I would be willing to come and see 
things in action. And I'll admit it's not anything that I really wanted to do. Um, I'm intimidated by being around homeless folks. What am I supposed to talk about? So I went. It's the most humbling and life-changing thing I've done in a long time. It ranks up there with going to Africa. And Scott's asked us to come back, and so you'll be reading about opportunities like that. We need three or four people to go help him man the shelter at night. And we are finally, yay, uh, starting, uh, not we, but we will support it, a homeless shelter for women and children here. It's called Home Hope of Mooresville, and West Bonnie Battaglia is on staff there, and Mike Shire is a part of that mission, and we will be supporting that. Part of that evening, if you read the e-news on Friday, was that we would sit at a table together and eat dinner. I was hoping that I could just sort of hang in the back. That was intimidating. It was getting me out of my nice, white, privileged comfort zone. But I met the most amazing people that just really got down on their luck. And the next morning at 5 a.m., they were up and they were packing everything that they owned in a Rubbermaid bin and going to work. I think sometimes we think homeless are just lazy. I would say half, if not three-fourths of the people there that day left to go to work. Jesus called us to leave the 99 and go to the one. There are lots of people out there worth saving, and I would change that word to loving And we love an awesome God. And the same God that calls Abraham is the same God that calls you and me and loves us. Chris said, when I go to meet my maker, well, he has now. And I believe he is experiencing the awesomeness and the wonder and the majesty of God. So this morning as we close, we're going to sing an upbeat song. And I invite you to think about in your own life, where is God calling you to use your gifts and your skills for the work of the kingdom? You can email any West staff person. We'll help you find a way. And I'd invite you to be a people of prayer with me. Join with me in prayer as we pray for the kingdom of God to come here and now. Let us pray. Gracious God, you are a giver of life and you hold us in your arms and you give each of us gifts and skills that we can use for the work of the kingdom. I just ask that this morning in the stillness of these moments that you will reveal yourself to all the people here and those worshiping online. Show us how you would have us to love all people And to use whatever skill sets that we have to make a difference and be like Jesus when he told us to leave the 99 and go love the one. God, we offer ourselves to you for you are an awesome and a mighty God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I'm sorry that I became a blubbering idiot midway through the sermon. I apologize for that. That was not my intent this morning. I will say also that I did not say anything that I had planned on saying on Tuesday or Wednesday of this week when I wrote the sermon. So uh, all my little notes over there, I was going to read you the United Methodist stance on just war and uh, our stance on that. So sorry, I don't think you want to stay longer just to hear that. I just think we're called to be in community. 
And I just think we're called to do life together. And I think, you know what? Nobody needs to be alone. There's a lot of people in this world. And if we will unite together as one, under one God, through the love of Jesus Christ, I don't think anybody ever has to be alone. May you go and may you love other people this week. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.